wisdom, balance, peace. Wow, y'all, I am so excited to be sharing this episode with you. Jana Wilson is um, a really beautiful energy, a beautiful soul. And it was such an honor to spend an hour talking with her about her incredible life and her incredible work. Jana is a survivor of uh, childhood domestic abuse and trauma. And so there's a little bit of a sensitivity warning there. We do talk about this as well as suicidal ideation. So I want you to know that going into it. But I have to tell you, this is a really, really beautiful, empowering conversation. Um, We talk about really high level, gorgeous spiritual stuff, but also coming home to yourself and trusting yourself and, and reparenting your own inner child so that you can lead um, a life that you want. You can, you can shift the narrative and shift the story. Uh, I just was so blown away by the entire gorgeous conversation. I mean, Jana is an emotional healing educator and she shares so many of her incredible tips and, and the ways that she embodies that and her own mistakes and her own lessons. And y'all are going to just be fully lit up by it. So I cannot wait for you to take a listen to this conversation. And hey, listen, if you love this podcast or my sister podcast or any of the free content that I'm putting out there, you can let me know by giving me a little tip, essentially buying my coffee, saying thanks. If you visit vickeryandco.com slash say thanks, you can let me know that this free content I'm putting out is really resonating with you. It's making a difference. It's lighting you up. It's giving you some motivation, a little inspiration, or maybe just a little flutter in your heart. And if you thank me, I'm going to be sure to thank you. I will give you lots of love and props in my newsletter here on the podcast or maybe even in the Brave in Action live show, which is every single Thursday at 11 a.m. Central. You can find us on YouTube. Um, Go to vickeryandco.com slash say thanks to just share a little love and let me know that this work is resonating and connecting with you. Y'all, I am so excited for you to hear this beautiful, heart-centered, spiritual, empowering conversation I had with Jana. So let's get to it. You're listening to The Brave Files, where we share stories from people who've stepped out of fear and into bravery in every possible way. What we know for sure is that when we choose bravely, on purpose, we choose bigger, we win bigger, and it's contagious. It's our hope that these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement that enriches both our lives and our communities. The Brave Files is brought to you by Vickery & Co., a success and leadership coaching firm dedicated to helping you build a life and a business that you are absolutely in love with. Vickery & Co. offers group programs, membership communities, one-on-one coaching, VIP days, corporate trainings, workshops, keynote speaking, and so much more. Visit vickeryandco.com to get all the details. Hi, everybody. I am so excited today to have Jana Wilson as a guest. She is an emotional healing educator, meditation teacher, retreat leader, hypnotherapist, 
heart math facilitator, who wants to know what that is, me, and founder of the Emotional Healing System. She's trained with best-selling author and physician Deepak Chopra, which is very cool, and New York Times best-selling author Debbie Ford. Now, see, I love this part. Jenna lives off the grid. I cannot wait to hear more about that in the foothills um, in a mountain range in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And she's also just come out with an incredible new memoir. Jenna is a victim of childhood abuse and trauma, and she could have wound up as any other statistic. Yet, at the age of 12, she had what she calls a mystical experience that catapulted her onto a lifelong journey of learning to listen to herself and love herself. And in this breakout memoir, which is called Wise Little One, we get to follow Jana as she develops a connection to her inner child. And through this connection, she cultivates an unshakable faith in self and in spirit. And you guys hear me talk about this all the time, taking full responsibility for her own soul's journey. Y'all, we have to take responsibility for our journey. I am so excited to get into this. Jenna, welcome to The Brave Files. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Heather. I'm really excited. I am excited as well. So, so many things that I can't wait to to dig in with you on. But let's go ahead and start at the beginning. And I have to ask, are you worn out yet of talking about your childhood trauma as you promote this book? Because I feel I'm, I'm worn out just imagining how often you have to go through it. Yeah, no, not really. You know, um, memory without emotional charge is wisdom. And, uh, you know, I have extracted the wisdom of my childhood, so it doesn't activate anything in my body anymore. I've healed it. I've processed it. I don't feel like we fully arrive, right, Heather? But I certainly Ever. have done the work, right? And yeah. 19 years of teaching others, too. So I feel pretty good about yeah sharing. Oh, I love that. I'm glad I, I didn't have that in my notes to ask that question first. But just as I was like, okay, Jenna, let's dig in. I'm like, man, this must be exhausting and I'm really grateful. I've never heard that line, that memory without emotional charge is wisdom. Of course it is, and that makes perfect sense. Um, But that's really profound. Like, that is a really profound thing to say as memory is so triggering for many of us, and we do embody it. So I do. I would love for you to share a little bit of that background and then how you, you ended up at that realization and how what you did to allow yourself to not have that emotional charge? Writing the book, there were a lot of emotional charges, though. So that did bring up a lot of, you know, I felt like, oh, you know, I can do this. The timing's right now. I'm 57 years old, 25 years I've been wanting to write this book. It wasn't the time. And, um, you know, it, it was challenging. But that quote, so my teacher Deepak Chopra would say, use memory, don't allow memory to use you. And uh, the quote that I said that you ju- that you liked was from Joe Dispenza, and oh, he yeah. says, "Yeah, memory without emotional charge is wisdom." And I get it; it is because once you extract the lesson, and that's what we're here to learn, right? In Earth School, lots of lessons, like constant lessons, and then bless the test because it will test you to see if you got the lesson right. And So if you can extract the wisdom, take full responsibility for whatever life was teaching you, because it's happening for us, right, not to us, Mm -hmm. and then we're not a victim anymore, we're empowered. And so for me, it happened fairly young, honestly. You know, Heather, that experience, um, 
you know, the defining moment that really gave me clarity on my calling, which was a beautiful question you had asked me, is is the moment I was pulled out of my body, right, at 12 years old, and I was told that these two parents who were ripping each other apart were not my true parents, and even this life wasn't my real life. I was, like, nestled in this peace that passes all understanding, it was like spirit was holding me, and I knew in that moment that whatever I was going through, it was temporary, and I would transcend it, and there was a greater purpose at 12. Wow. I mean, that is all. I, I, I have had three 12-year-olds, <laughs> and um, that's a lot for a 12-year-old to experience. Well, you know why I think I had that grace? Because that's really what it was. I I... A few years prior to that, I had, you know, the worst situation ever. I had a shotgun put to my head by my mother. And that experience, you know, the trauma that that experience, I mean, first of all, having a gun put to your head by anyone, but let alone the person who brought you into the world, right? It was, it was, you know, devastating. And of course, I blocked it for a while. You know, I didn't. Mm -hmm. So by the time I'm reunited with my mother about a year later, you know, I'm about nine and a half, 10. So now a couple years later, nothing's changed. Everything went right back to the same. She would let my father come back. They would do their domestic violence dance and their chaos. And, and this experience at 12, What I recalled, writing the book, Heather, it came to me. Little Jana, my emotional self, which is what I refer to the wise little one, she showed me a memory of me standing in front of a mirror and contemplating taking a bottle of aspirin. So I think at that point, I had, you know, a lot of suicide ideation. I was very, you know... Um, unhappy in school. I didn't really have support from a fun, you know, I never knew what I was coming home to. In adverse childhood experiences, there's a test that we give. There's 10 questions clinicians ask uh, clients, and I score 10 out of the 10. So in adverse childhood experiences, yeah, I had a pretty adverse childhood. So at 12 now, uh, I, you know, am pulled out of my body. I'm told those aren't my parents. I feel this peace. It wakes my soul up. It was such a profound experience. Later, I learned it was a near-death experience. I had no idea what um, I found out through watching documentaries on near-death experience and reading books. There was a woman who almost drowned who expl- who d- described exactly what happened to me all of a sudden she's under the water she's dying she's in the cosmos she's told that you know she's going to be fine everything's okay it's kind of a similar experience so I think that that defining moment woke me up so much it gave me a voice and in the book I share what happens after and I call it my dragon slayer (laughs) you know the voice that I was like okay I've got to be strong I've got to be brave I've got to be courageous. I've got to get through this childhood. And these two people who are raising me do not have a clue. I don't respect them. I can't look to them to guide me. I've got to find the mentors and the people. And and just like, you know, anything, they showed up. The mentors, mm-hmm. the people who supported me and guided me on my way to become the successful woman I am today. You know, it happened at that moment. I love that. 
the the idea, the knowing that when you seek something, it will show up, and that that goes for anything, it whatever does. you're seeking. If you are convinced that it will be awful, that will show up. If you are <laughs> seeking support and guidance, and you're open to finding it in unusual places, that will show up. So that is such a profound thing. So just to to circle back, then you had a memory of attempting to take your own life, and you did not obviously not succeed, but you did attempt. And that is when you had this mystical experience. Right. No, I didn't attempt. I was just, you, you know, yeah, I had suicide. Ide- I was, you know, idealizing it. Oh, it would be better just to be dead. I don't want to live like this. This is so, you know, I was so unhappy. And the memory that came back was me standing in the mirror, having this conversation with myself at 12. So that's what precipitated the the out-of-body experience. Yes, my parents fighting and everything, but I think that it was almost like, you know, my soul, I believe that we we all operate at a different soul age. Mm. And this is a teaching that I've learned. You know, we we often throw terms around like, oh, they're an old soul. Yeah. You know, but have you heard of infant souls or baby souls or young souls or mature souls? There's all different souls at different levels of consciousness, right, of awareness. And, you know, they're characterized by certain things. Old souls, of course, are visionaries. They, you know, have big picture. As they advance an old soul, they're in the Himalayas or some monastery or ashram meditating all day, right, or something to help alleviate the suffering of the planet. But, um, you know, I... So if we're all operating from our own point of perception and consciousness based on our soul age, I believe my soul is an old soul. That's why I was driven to do this work. You know, that's why, you know, I mean, this work is my dharma. It's my passion. If I can share with someone how I healed and how I took the lemons from my childhood and made a really sweet lemonade, <laughs> you know, to use a overused little metaphor, but you know, <laughs> that, that I really made something sweet out of something that shouldn't have been, I believe it's because I'm an old soul. Right. And, and then at a young age, I woke up and I realized, Oh, all of this is happening for me. I've got to get busy figuring out what am I going to do with my one precious life and how can I make a difference? That was the only thing that drove me, even as a teenager. So that's amazing. So you didn't recall this experience from when you were 12 until you were writing the book, and yet you had this knowing of it. You had this... Oh, no, 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 no. So that experience of being pulled out of my body never left me. I always was aware of it. That what I wasn't aware while writing the book I became aware of was right before the experience, how I was... was, had suicide ideation. I wasn't wanting to live. Gotcha. And it was almost like spirit said, oh, yeah, you got a big purpose here. You've got to live. Yeah. So let's wake her up and let her know, you know, there's some greater purpose for all this. Just trust. And, okay. of course, that built my faith so strong, right? Because, yeah. 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 Okay, thank you for clarifying that because I was like, I'm missing a little bit here. But also just this, this knowing of um, I don't know how and I don't know why but it will be okay and I will be okay. And, mm-hmm. and this is, um, 
it's all temporary, which is such a profound realization because everything feels very permanent, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> yes. It really feels like this is the end. This is it. It's always going to be like this. And, and remembering that everything is temporary to me is such a gift in general because we can shift out of lots of things. That's really hard to do, though, when you're a child and you're being traumatized. So how did things change for you after the age of 12, after you had this experience? Um, well, I, I certainly perceived things differently. So I arrived at an awareness that, as I said, my parents do not have the answers. Yeah. And when you're going through trauma, developmental trauma, especially when it was, you know, mine began in the womb. My mother was yeah. being beaten. She was clinically depressed, you know, so I have precognitive, preconscious trauma. And, you know, often we just hear about it with like a, a, a parent who, a mother who's addicted to drugs or alcohol or something while they're pregnant and they're taking. But think about a mother who's clinically depressed or being beaten. Yeah. That affects the of child, course. of course, right? And so, um, so, you know, a lifelong of it, by the time I'm 12, it's, you know, I've already learned patterns. And what of I've course. observed was it's bad. And then it's okay again. And then sometimes it's peppered with little good moments. And then it's bad. And then it's, So I started to learn the impermanence, which was a very high level of awareness. Now I understand, right? Because most people don't even have that conscious awareness that everything's impermanent and temporary. So they get attached to things and they suffer because it's, it's fleeting, right? Nothing mm -hmm. stays. So... Um, yeah. What the question? I'm sorry. I, I go a little <laughs> Just what shifted for you, and I think that is the answer: the impermanence of it all. Um, yes. I, I yeah. guess I'm curious about. You know what really? What did you choose? I mean, did were you? Did you have to stay with your abusive parents from that point on? Did you like? You taught these mentors. Like, how did you get out of there and into this path that is so profound that you? knew was for you and you do all this amazing beautiful spiritual work and and just I mean how how do you go from that 12 year old moment to the rest of it yeah so that's the story of wise little one right like really learning to to tune in to that still small voice within mm. um I you know a great aunt, my grandmother, who was my resource. So when we go through trauma, if we can have a resource, an inner resource or an outer resource, of course, my inner resource was my connection to spirit, yeah. which really developed. I mean, that was the gift of my childhood. Had I not went through such extreme circumstances, I'm not sure that I would have been able to connect with a non-local field, right, with a spiritual dimension, because yeah. I... You know, nothing was contrast pushing me. So that's the gift of the dark, right? It pushes us to the light. And so my grandmother was definitely a resource of supportive. I mean, she, thank God for her. And her, she had a sister, her youngest sister, who was educated, who lived out of state. She was a Yankee, my grandmother called, because, you know, I'm from <laughs> the South. <laughs> so she married a Yankee, and she moved to Michigan. 
And so this Aunt B, she was a very educated and successful woman, and she wanted to help me. And she tried to get custody of me after the gun incident with my mother. And um, so she was the one there and helped me get to college, helped me, you know, really navigate that and get out of the, the home. Um, and then, of course, there would they would just always show up. You know, I was living wow. in Miami. I would have mentors and people show up, you know, read this book. Or it was because I was seeking and I was open. And like you said, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. So I had all these teachers. And then, of course, I, I read... Um, one of Deepak's early books, and that lit me up. It was all, often I was like, I don't know what the man's saying, but something <laughs> inside me knows. <laughs> I love that. I get that. Yeah, and and then I was like, oh yeah, he's my teacher. So I began to follow, you know, him, and then I, of course, probably, you know, one of your questions was like, at what point in your life did you feel the most brave? Deciding to have a child out of wedlock at twenty-two was a pretty brave decision and becoming a single mom for seven years with her. And, um, yeah, so that was a big deal. And I wanted to breathe the cycle breaker, you know, Heather, I didn't want to continue what my parents did. Now I'm 22. I've got this baby. I've got to figure my shit out, right? (laughs) Like I gotta do some work. And so, you know, these mentors would show up, books would show up. One book in particular was a book that I found in a bookstore in San Francisco. I had a job with Maybelline, and I was traveling around the country. And this book, I was 20 years old, and it fell off a book a bookshelf in an old bookshop in San Francisco. And it was copywritten in 1935. It's very hard to get now. It's out of print, and they're very okay. expensive. It's called You. And the one of the chapters I just want to share with you, 1935, remember, look at the title of that. The Law of Attraction. Wow. Yeah. So I just, you know, whatever it was, it was like spirit would just give me these morsels and wow. it would just expand my mind. And I was like, whoa. And I began to see things different. And I started using these, you know, foundational universal laws and I started to attract things and I had already been doing it in wise little one I share I you know Elvis invited my mom and I up to his suite um I got to meet the president of Costa Rica I mean like things that shouldn't have happened for someone at my socioeconomic level ever yeah master manifester Um, yes absolutely very cool and I love the idea of the book like (laughs) like spirits like here this this book is for you. Find yes. it, like trip over it. Like that, those kinds of things are just so cool to me. You know, I did want to ask you, you said that um, the decision to have a child out of wedlock at the age of 22 and become a single mom was really a brave choice and experience for you. Mm-hmm. Um, was that an easy decision given the way you had grown up? And what worked? did you need to do, if any, to make sure that you were the cycle breaker? So I had had a few abortions up until that point, and I had shame around that. Um, In college, I was raped, date raped. I got pregnant Mm -hmm. from that rape. I had an abortion. So by the time I got pregnant with my daughter, I literally knew Heather as soon as I got up off the bed. I said to her father... 
I'm pregnant. And he's like, well, there's no way you would know that. And I said, I know my body. I'm thinking to myself, I've had this experience before. I could feel it. Mm-hmm. it was, but what I feel it was, was my teacher was coming in. So mm-hmm. I looked at this. I had read The Prophet by Cahil Gibran so mm-hmm. many times, uh-huh. especially the one on children. Your children are not your children. They are life longing for itself. And I was just so inspired by the way he wrote that poem. Are you familiar with that book? I am familiar with it. I'll link it in the show notes, y'all. Yeah, it's really good. And so he so I, you know, saw, you know, this child as I just intuitively knew, oh, this one I'm supposed to have. This is like a real and I didn't stay with her father. He was a drug addict. I didn't realize it because, of course, I didn't value myself at the time, so I jumped into this relationship. Then by the time six months later, the relationship ends, and I'm back at home with my mother. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've failed. You know, like, what am I going to do? I've got to figure this out. And, of course, then A Course in Miracles came into my life. Marianne Williamson's work, Return to Love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really deeply into metaphysics with... Um, Unity and Center for Spiritual Living, and so I was I was on my path, and I was really a voracious, you know, learner. I didn't have a lot of money at the time, so the church offered therapy. So I began going to therapy. It was the first time in my life, right, that I started to see a therapist, and yeah, I began my healing journey. I love that. Now, you mentioned the church. And that's a question I think people have all the time, the difference in spirituality and religion. So what what is your relationship with religion and, you know, a higher being other than spirits? Yeah. Universal spirit, all of that. Okay. So I share, you know, in the book about, um, you know, we actually... Um, I can actually read a piece of this because this is exactly oh, what you're asking me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was just looking at it, and I thought, you know, it's, it's just such a profound statement, right, that spirit. You know, religion is man-made, but I share in the book, there's no right form of spiritual guidance. We have many names for our spiritual source of love and wisdom, the divine God, spirit, higher power, Holy Spirit, creator, the universe, to name a few. The truth is you are here for a reason. You're never alone. You are always being guided to your highest good. You are not separate from the creator. You are a spark of the divine encapsulated in a human bodysuit. As the French Jesuit priest Tahel de Chardin said, you are a spiritual being having a human experience. Mm. So for me, spirit, so, you know, if we look in scientific terms, we would say material, non-material, right, or material, uh, or physical, non-physical, form, formless, you know, local, non-local. So there's these opposites. It's just what's beyond our senses, right? And so um, it's not bound in a book or in a church or in a temple or it's within us. It's in our heart. And so Ram Das, one of my teachers always said, you know, we're always just walking each other back home to our heart. And so for me, spirit, you know, is connecting with nature, connecting with you know, and it, it requires even a seduction, a wooing, because when you love something, when you, you create space for it in your life, you you tend to it, you spend quality time, you love it, right? It shows your children, your spouse, your so the same thing for spirit. One of the ways so I developed this six ways we love ourselves because for so long I was so frustrated. I was like 
you know, I'd read Self Magazine and Psychology Today in my 20s, and I'm like, how do I love myself? You know, I'm trying to figure this out. And, of course, I didn't know I was operating from these core false beliefs of I'm unworthy and I'm good, you know, not good enough. And yeah. But so self-love is more than a bubble bath and a day at the spa, right? Yes, Emotionally, how am I loving myself every day? You know, I just took a trip um, little Jana and I like to go away sometimes because she just needs undivided attention. Yep. And she she likes to get a new dress and go out to a fancy <laughs> meal. And and when I came home after I went shopping and had dinner, I looked in the mirror and just it just poured out of me. Kind of makes me emotional. And it and I and it, it was she was just saying, I just love you. I love where you eat. I love where you shop. I love what you do. I just love being you, you know? And it's like the deepest love that you'll ever have when you connect with yourself as that innocent child. Because I can see how she suffered, and now I get the choice to give her the childhood she never had, right? It's never too late to have a happy childhood. Oh, my gosh. That is so beautiful. That is incredible. Thank you for that. I'm going to have to listen to that over and over and, and sit with it. I have been on a journey, I would say, about the last two years. Um, and I didn't know what it was at first, but it, it kept coming back of my purpose here is to be the one that heals the ancestral trauma. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't even have known where to begin with that. And, and I don't even know that I still know where to begin with it. I just keep finding people that I'm, that, that that's the message that that's the work and that's the thing or I'll be in a breathwork meditation or sound healing and it'll just continue to show up. And that feels a lot like what you're talking about, like just sort of healing yourself and rewriting that experience in real time because it is all, I mean, quantum physics tells us that it, you know, it's, it's all in our minds anyway, right? None of it is local. That's kind kind of wild. That blows a lot of people's minds. Um, but we are just experiencing it the way we're experiencing it and we can shift that. So I love that. Um, all right. So you had this beautiful child and did you ever worry ever that, that you were going to repeat patterns of behavior of your parents or did you just, of course. And I did, I did. I mean, I, you know, I couldn't control my anger. I was raised in a very violent home and, you know, when you're conditioned, you know, anger is your go-to because it's powerful. And I felt so disenfranchised. You know, I just was treated like white trash in my town growing up. That was labeled that, my family. So I felt very less than. And the way it came across, of course, because it was my shadow, was I would act superior. Hmm. And, you know, so I was living in a mask. And by the time I was in my mid-30s, I was very unhappy. So I went the traditional route around 33, 34, and got on antidepressants, anti-anxiety, you know, like, oh, just give me a pill, numb myself out. That lasted about six months. And then, of course, my wise little one, you know, was always, you know, like, come on, mend my life, you know, like Mary Oliver says, like, you know, like, pick, you know, wake up. And 
And I did, obviously. And having Taylor, my daughter, really wanting to be that cycle breaker, I had in many ways because I was financially successful at that point, but I wasn't emotionally successful. She would see me rage and get angry and yell and slam doors and, you know, just behave in ways like I saw my mother and father behave. And so I didn't like myself. So Debbie Ford, when she came into my life, shadow work came into my life. It was the biggest game changer for me because if I could learn how to make peace with the bitch and the angry and the, you know, that rager inside of me and, and love her and accept her, not try to get rid of her. I would have been trying to put pink paint on my, you know, poop or my ice cream on my poop, you know, like I kept trying to make the persona of, oh, spiritual bypasser, I'm so spiritual, namaste. But inside, I was like an angry, you know, um, raging person, like a... Yeah. And so her work really transformed, you know, the way Debbie taught shadow work, of course, it's it's not her work, it's Carl Jung, this was psychologist. Right. (laughs) But he said, you know, and it even goes back for, you know, he was studying the Bhagavad Gita and the Upanishads, the Vedas. He was extracting this tatvamasi in Sanskrit means I, I see the other in myself and myself in the other. Right. So these teachings go way back. It's not even, you know, from him, but let's just use him as the point of entry of shadow work, right? Most people think shadow is only the dark. It's also the light. Actually, people have a harder time accepting their divinity and their goodness, right, and their innocence. They're comfortable bottom feeding with all the dark stuff. So I had to learn how to love every part of me. And Jung says it best, I'd rather be whole than good. But in religion, the what religion I grew up in and everything I was being told, you've got to be good and you've got to be over here. But like Deepak says, if you're comparing heaven and hell, he would choose hell because it's more interesting because without any contrast, right? How would you even know you're in heaven? You would have no experience. You would be doomed to eternal senility. So yes. it takes our dark experiences, right? Our in order for us to gain contrast, takes both. So I'd rather be whole than just a half a person. Yeah. Right? Oh, I feel that. I resonate with that so completely. And that's that's the work of loving all of the parts of ourselves, even the parts that, like you said, the shadow parts, the dark parts, the parts that we don't want to pretend are there. Um they deserve it also. They deserve yeah. they deserve the love and they're there for a reason. And and I think there's a lot of um, really powerful stuff that comes from recognizing that those parts of us at one time or another probably kept us safe. Exactly. They yeah. served us. You know, yeah. if I don't have that strong little bitchy, you know, angry self, like I understand why she's that way because she was in survival. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So when did you get into, we, you have this Im- impressive resume, um, emotional healing educator, meditation, retreat leader, hypnotherapist. I, I'm fascinated by hypnotherapy. And I do want to know what, what heart math is, but all of these things, when did you shift into this being your life's work, your career? So up until, you know, th- so 
in my 20s all the way up until 35, I'm just working on me. I'm in therapy. I'm reading books. I'm going to every Hay House event, every, you know, <laughs> Wayne Dyer lived in Boca where I lived. I mean, I knew him and his wife. I mean, I'd go to his events. Like, I was just, you know, a sponge to it all. And then when mm-hmm. I saw Debbie Ford in Miami in um, 2002, it that was uh, in life coaching and coaching was new, right? Yeah. Thomas Leonard, yeah. the founding father of coaching, had just launched that in the late nineties, and so she talked. She was talking from stage. Hey, if you're interested, I have a coaching program, and I was like, oh. Yes, I'm interested because I knew I didn't want to go a traditional clinician path. So yeah. I drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, sign me up. Within <laughs> two years or three years of meeting Debbie, we sold our home, moved to California. You know, was I worked on staff with her. My ex-husband was a partner in marketing with her. I mean, we traveled the world with her. It was like we're all in, right, because the te- it, it changed my life so much. And she was really grooming me. Um, and a few others to take the stage. Debbie Mm. has passed away now. She passed away in 2013. She had stomach cancer. Mm. Um, She was a difficult teacher, you know, like many. It's follow the teachings. Deepak would say, if someone's pointing to the moon, don't worship the finger. Yeah. Right? Take the teachings. Uh But Uh often a lot of these teachers who put themselves out there, they're still flawed humans, and people put them on pedestals. And, of course, I did that with Debbie. So it was a very interesting. I ended up leaving Debbie and going to the Chopra Center, became a primordial sound meditation teacher, did so just because, you know, up until that point, they were all saying it. Meditate, meditate. And I I was just like, oh, I can't meditate. My mind's too busy. And so then I learned, oh, that's a myth. I was like, what? I thought you were supposed to quiet your mind. They're like, no, you can't do that. All you're supposed to do is be aware when you're lost in thought and come back and keep doing that. And then eventually the mind kind of wears out like a kid. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? (laughs) You know, and (laughs) then it goes to sleep and then you go into the gap. You go into spaciousness. Time accelerates. You know, this is the practice that grounds me that 15 years I've been a teacher I rarely have missed a day of meditation. I've been, you know, very immersed in the practice, and it is my saving grace. It is my lifeline. I will not work with anyone who won't commit to a practice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Meditation is hard for me. I do it, but it is hard. And it's that moment that you just talked about where your child, where you're like, are we there yet? I'm like, that's, it's getting through that moment. When you really want to go, I just want to check my phone or I just want to get a drink of water or something uh, that I find to be the trickiest. I'm sure that that's what everybody says. Um, you got to get over that that hump on it. Okay, so well, what? I think once you know, though, Heather, and you say to yourself, this is what I would say to a student. When you are aware you're having those thoughts, of course, you come that awareness of awareness is really what we're cultivating. So you come back to present moment and then you drop that thought, you know, and you just get really masterful at yeah. being able, we have 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, catching a thought and dropping it. So that way it's not what happens during the practice. The practice often can feel very turbulent and not peaceful 
but you don't judge it. You just observe, oh, okay, you know, and drop the, the judgment. You go about your day and you begin to observe that you're more aware in the present moment when the mind's gone. So you're driving your car, mm. you're worried about something in the future or the past or whatever, you catch it. And in that moment, you release it. And then you, that's, that is the f- potential. We're talking mm. about quantum physics. Infinite possibilities exist because now I have free will to catch my mind stinking thinking and bring it back to the present moment. And now I can offer up anything. I could say, universe, I'm so grateful for my book being a bestseller, this or something greater. You know, I could put my attention on something I'm grateful for, or the next greatest creative thought could drop in, right? Because I have some space. I'm not all, like Eckhart Tolle always says, I'm in his teacher of presence right now. I'm getting another certification. (laughs) It's a never-ending certification over here. I just love learning, but um, he says the mind's like an overcrowded living room. you got to spread out some furniture and get rid of some. Absolutely. Are you a manifesting generator in human I am. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this lady's got to be a mangen. Absolutely. That's funny. I love that. Um, Thank you for sharing that insight. I I love that. And I'm always really working to figure out how to bring more of that into my life. And I'm sure our listeners are as well. All right. I have to know what is, what is heart math? Oh, oh my gosh. Heart math. So in 2008, I heard about heart math or an ups there in Northern uh, California. They had been doing all this research on the power of the heart, the electromagnetic field of the heart. And it took me a few years after that to, because the tools are so simple. I mean, like, you know, when you arrive at a place somewhere in your life, you start to realize everything all these wisdom and thought leaders are teaching is simple. <laughs> like, so why simple, am I complicating it, it right? Yeah. It's yeah. so simple. And so, but when it's so simple, it's simple to do, it's simple not to do, and, and you kind of bypass it. Oh, it's got to be harder, you know? You're like struck on the struggle bus. So heart math is super simple. They're called intelligent energy management techniques. So it's not a meditation um, technique, and it's not a breath technique, although it feels like a little bit of both. So it always begins, so they've measured the heart. So now we have a new science. My husband's a physician. He's really geeks out on all of this, but um, (laughs) on the heart is... um, Uh, neuro uh, cardiology which means the heart they're finding has neurons so it's like has its own brain and the field around the heart is three to five feet so that's why we talk about our space you know you're in my space we can feel people it's because that's kind of like the auric field too around our bodies so there's a measurable electro electromagnetic field it it's when you're coherent in your heart your heart sending more ascending um, connections to the brain than the brain does to the heart so the heart that's why we say the body's intelligent the heart knows all wisdom traditions where's jesus always pointing to the heart mary to the heart right it's always about the heart and it's because it's very powerful the the electromagnetic field of the cranium an inch that's all It doesn't produce much. So the heart's huge. Mother Earth, why are we uh, habitable 
planet and Mars isn't. Mars is farther from our sun than Earth because we have electromagnetic fields. So this thesis that HeartMath has is if enough of us can learn this heart-based living and these tools, how to keep our inner battery charged, how to keep raising our vibration, of course, then we can make a difference in the world, right? Because mm working along with the Earth's electromagnetic field. When the solar rays hit our planet, it creates a beautiful light show in the northern hemisphere called the Aurora Borealis, right? And and so if enough of us are heart-centered and coherent, at 9-11, to give you an example, um, there's certain random generators all over the planet, and they're outputting you know, from the electromagnetic field numbers, right? It's all deduced down to math. And so on 9-11, there were so many people in their heart, Heather, that all those random generators from different parts of the world started putting the same data out, identical. Wow. wow. Yeah. So heart math is, is, you know, the first technique is heart-focused breathing. I'm in a stressful situation. Stress is the killer, right? It's what we're combating with everything we're doing it's certainly for me in this emotional healing system. Everyone is having a thought that's creating stress, something. So you're in stress response. The body's getting broke down, right? Your immune system's not working. Your, you know, all of these tools are to help you have emotional intelligence that I teach. And so now I'm in a stressful situation. My heart's starting to race. My perspiration's increasing, right? My blood pressure's rising. I'm aware of it because I'm a meditator. So now I go to my heart math tool. So I teach a client, you immediately start to um, monitor your breath. This is regulation, right? Emotional regulation. It's the second emotional intelligence skill set of self-management. Um, so I start breathing. Now I gain composure and poise. I'm able to handle the stressful. My cognition is clear. Even though my heart's still beating, I'm managing my breath. It's the one thing we can control in our body is breath right? And as soon as we do, we took the reins back. Now the emotions, now the stress, now everything starting to calm down and we gain, now we can think clearer. Just that one step and it's slow, deep, heart-focused breathing, imagining breaths coming in and through the heart. And then the second is adding a regenerative emotion like appreciation and gratitude. Mm. So as soon as I can sustain a thought or something that activates my vagus nerve, the largest nerve in the body. I start to feel that warm, fuzzy feeling. Now I can sustain it long enough. I do that throughout the day. I create what's called a baseline of resiliency. Okay. Stress yeah. comes and boy, it just, you know, because I know I have a tool. In the moment, I go to my breath. I tell my body, hey, everything's fine. I got you. You know, we're not, we're not freaking out here. Like you're not about to die. <laughs> Man, that's really cool. It I love so that. Cool. And there's cool, that. geeky, like, um, uh, monitors, like, we give to private clients. I have one is here. It, is the Healy a monitor like that? A Healy? A Healy? I don't know. I've been know. hearing a lot about I've that. I've never heard sure. of a Healy. Okay. But I'm going to show you this monitor um, real quick. So this okay. is called the M-Wave, and it's a Bluetooth monitor, and you clip it to your ear. There's an app, and then it monitors your heart rate every 
minute to see you want good um, variability in your heart rate. So say your resting's 55, you want to be like 40 to 90, and it just keeps going like, now when you're not coherent, it's real erratic, and there's shorter distances in the heart rate. So it's a predictor of long life, good health. Cool. Yeah, Yeah. that's really cool. I love it anytime the science meets the spiritual, Mm -hmm. because I feel like we, and especially lately, we've been getting more and more scientific evidence that all of these things that have so far been known only as spiritual um, to to prove lack lack of a better term prove their yep. existence and I just I geek out on that in a really big way. Me too. Uh, so you mentioned private clients, but you are kind of known for your retreats, right? These mm-hmm. in person events. Can you tell us a little bit about how you support people and what the experience is like? Yeah, so after working with Debbie and being trained and continuing on my training, I was doing phone work like a traditional coach, right? It was I was an integrative coach, uh-huh. teaching someone how in psychosynthesis how to integrate all the parts of themselves, light and dark. Now, you know, that was just one aspect I could see of this holistic heel wheel, excuse me, of healing. So I added the meditation, I became a hypnotherapist, you know, the heart math, I started to add all these and I began to see a system. So in 2010, I hired um, marketing people to really help me like, who am I? What am I? What brand me? And that's when we came up with emotional healing system. And they said, provide what you do in group retreats, because I was leading group retreats in addition to doing the phone work. I stopped doing phone work, and I began doing private VIP one-on-one retreats. Yes. So I had a healing center here in Santa Fe. Now I own my own healing center here on our land. But um, I had a healing center, and I started right away. And I just developed a one-on-one, so it was live, so I still offer that. It's the demand for it is so crazy. I'm booked into next year. So usually wow. it's six to 12 months to even get uh, private with me. And of course, now I'm doing those even less because they're very taxing. <laughs> Imagine yeah. Yeah. spending six to eight hours a day with someone holding space, taking them deep. I, you know, the gift of my childhood, Heather, is in spiritual bypassing Robert Augustus Master's book he talks about the clinician who hasn't met themselves can only meet the client to the level right that they've yeah. met themselves yeah. so i i know that having that you know trauma from my childhood and growing really helps me be with someone and go deep and i've had the saudi royal family i've had members of their wow. as clients i've had celebrity i've had you know people who are really high functioning and have shared things with me no one's known about them because they felt safe. That's amazing. What a gift. That's so beautiful. So it's private, semi-private for men because I really feel like men need a space they can go and be held and cry and really Mm. feel their emotions Yeah, because they get this message, you know, man up, you know, big boys don't cry, all of that. And then we also offer the group experience and then... um, yeah, so my husband and I also do something for clinicians called Healing the Healer. Mm, I love and, that. 
Yeah, and work with just, you know, we just had a psychotherapist here working just with clinicians to support them. They have a very high suicide rate and high depression rate. Oh, Clinicians I do. Mm-hmm. I can Especially imagine. since the pandemic. So who is your target audience for your in-person, multi-person retreats? Anyone. I mean, literally 18 to, six, you know, 70. I mean, we have men, women. I mean, anyone who's really ready to up-level and dig deep. You know, a, a skyscraper can only go as high as they go deep, right? They have to really dig deep into the earth. So I always use that analogy saying, if you're willing to do the work and go deep into your developmental traumas, and listen, not everybody had trauma like me. I mean, childhood trauma is real for a child if they're not seen and heard. If if they have parents who live vicariously through them, who don't model boundaries, who can't regulate their emotions and rage, You know, I broke a cycle with my daughter, but I also had to get to a place, too, where I had to do healing work with her in her early 20s and admit how she was scared of me, you know, because I was very angry. But, you know, I was always willing to say, I'm wabi-sabi, I'm perfectly imperfect. You're right. Your feelings are valid. What do I need to do? You matter more than anything to me. You know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help you heal. She worked with Deepak's partner, Dr. David Simon. He's a neurologist. I mean, I was committed to whatever it took to support her because she, of course, had her own wounds from her biological father stepping out of her life. Sure. You know, and she had um, her own stuff. But now, when you know you've broke the cycle, you raise a child who is emotionally intelligent, who doesn't blame, who takes full responsibility for their lives, who is loving and generous and thoughtful. And she's raising my grandson. Her husband is very respectful and loving to her. Mm-hmm. They're very conscious. And, she, and she's a spiritual teacher, too. She leads retreats with me. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, it, it just takes a while, I guess. My my children have no interest in any of the work that I do. They think yeah. um, that I'm crazy. Yeah. That's all. I got a sound bowl. <laughs> I got a sound bowl the other day. Now my little one uses it in her classroom, a sound bowl. So she's showing me, she's she's 10, she's showing me how to hold it and use it properly. And my other kids literally rolled their eyes and they're like, oh. Yeah, the stuff that you do. Taylor was that way too, Heather. So there's okay, good to know. Yeah, she was that way too. And I was leading retreat. She was in high school. I'd want her to come by and introduce her, and she big eye roll like this is so. (laughs) And then around twenty six, twenty five, she found yoga finally. Okay. And that's when it all, I mean, she grew up with all of this, so it's so common to her. It's so next. You know, just natural as your daughters will feel the same. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, that, that's good to know. I mean, they can do whatever they want, right? It's yeah. their life and their choice. But I'm like, and I just said, um, that's cool. We'll make a deal. You don't have to like the things that I do, that I believe in, that help me feel like a whole person. Uh, but you can't give me shit about it. Yeah. You just, you keep, you keep your opinion to yourself <laughs> and I'll do my thing and I won't make you do my thing and we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and now you also just put one of your retreats online. You built an online course, right? Yes. Thanks for asking about that. Yes. We're so proud of it. We had so much, you know, we have a nonprofit, so we put 
um, you know, we get donations and things and we, we give scholarships to single mothers because I was a single mom. So I give scholarships to single moms for private retreats. I give out three a year and then we also do it for the group retreats. And then, you know, a lot of people kept reaching out and they couldn't afford it or we didn't have scholarship funds for them. And I thought, what way, how could we reach people? I mean, certainly during the pandemic, everybody was at home. It would have been nice to have this back then. But yeah. I just thought this is something that would be very beneficial. And it would be beneficial for people who have came to a group retreat or a private because it's just going to be supportive material to continue to stay close to the fire, close to the teachings, you know, and yeah. I love that. So how long is the course? Like what what are people yeah. signing up for when they do it? Yeah, it's four modules and there's 16 lessons. And somebody, we suggest that you take three days out of your life, mm-hmm. do a staycation, stay at home, and just get through the material. Of course, you could okay. do it however you want it. You have it for life. It starts at $297 for basic access. Access goes all the way up if you have calls with myself or my husband. He's a physician, and so he you know, really works with a lot of clients who come who are on meds to help them wean. Um, you know, working with a plan with their physician or, um, yeah, and we're, yeah. and we're also um, going to be MAP certified so we can do the psychedelic assisted therapy and, you know, we have a 2,600 square foot healing center here in Santa Fe and people come and stay. Okay. Yes. I absolutely want to know about living off the grid. What made you, we just have a few more minutes and, and I got to eke this in. What made you want to do that? And what, what does that even mean? Cause you're on the grid with me right now. You are on the internet with me right now. So yeah, tell me about that. Okay. So, um, I had a vision that, you know, 10 plus acres that kept coming to me and completely off the grid. I lived up in Taos, New Mexico, which is an iconic Western town, 7,500 people. It's very small and fell in love with the regenerative farming, the sustainability, the earthship mm-hmm. homes, the, and really was like, had this vision. I want to live off grid. So when I came back to Santa Fe and met my husband, we, we, I said, this is what I want. We created a desire statement and we, I saw this house almost right away. It was, uh, 16 acres. It had, you know, two properties on it. One was a barn, but they were National Geographic photographers and they had it designed amazing, this barn. So it became my healing center. And they had a huge solar array. So both the barn and the main house were on solar. Solar. But there was no... um, we, we have a well, but we were sharing a well. During 2020, we drilled our own well. Okay. We have... You know, um, the te- in 2020 also, we were able, right at the end of availability, to order the Tesla Powerwalls. Nice. So now we have Tesla Powerwalls that back up all our energy. So if we had an electric car, we don't. It would truly be, you know, uh, yeah. because everything's generated from the sun here. Living at 7,400 altitude where I live is very sunny, even in the winter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we get a, abundant sunshine. We have greenhouses, chickens. We have, you know, the ability we live next to state land. If we had to hunt for our food, I mean, we could easily That's sustain ourselves in every way. My partner and I have been looking for 
um, someplace to go and do a little bit of a wellness retreat. And New Mexico has been on our list. And now you might have just bumped it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Come to the healing barn. I will check it out for sure. I would love to. Actually, that's a great segue. How can people connect with you, find out about the healing barn, get the book, learn about the course? What's the best way to connect with you? Well, I have two websites. JanaWilson.com is the book website. The book launches July 12th, Wise Little One, Learning to Love and Listen to Yourself. It's my prescriptive memoir, meaning I prescribe in 11 chapters a little, you know, try this, do this, contemplate this. Memoir is written like a novel, right? So it's a little yes. different. Yeah, it's so. lovely. I've read it. It's a, it's a fantastic book. And I like those little call outs, you know, just bring awareness here. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. great. Yeah. Thank you. So JanaWilson.com and then um, it also EmotionalHealingRetreats.com. And of course, on both my website, you see the social links and stuff. So you can follow me on social media. I'm trying to do more reels and give little nuggets of wisdom. And yeah, yeah. it's a it's a lot of work it <laughs> to is. keep all of that up with the social media <laughs> <laughs> reels. It sounds like you got enough on your plate, but um, y'all go and check out Jana and her work and the book. The book is excellent. Um, it's it it's easy to read. And I mean that as a compliment, like it's hard content, but, um, you can, you can get in and you can see yourself and see some possibility. And it just feels like a very hopeful book. So thank you for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being here with us. You just are, you're cool. I really Aww. like you a lot. So Back I hope I could, do get a chance to meet you in person sometime. That would be a lot of fun. I Jana, can you it. share your three words with us one last time? Yes. Wisdom, balance, and peace. Yeah. Those are beautiful. And it feels, I mean, that's just the energy even that you give off through the internet, right? Through being able to see you and hear you. And it feels peaceful and feels... Um, connective just to be sort of in your presence. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for this time together. Good Thank luck you. with the book launch and the online course and all of that. And I hope that we get a chance to stay in touch. Me too. Thanks, Heather. I don't know what to tell you guys. I just think that was powerful. It was beautiful and it was empowering and it was exciting and um, soft and tender and gentle and honest and raw. And I just think Janet is amazing. So make sure that you're connecting with her. Get your copy of Wise Little One. I have a link in the show notes, but you can obviously find it anywhere you enjoy books. Follow along on her journey. Um, It's just fulfilling and beautiful and wonderful. And it's such a treat to be here with you. I hope that you love this episode. I hope you love the podcast. If the free content I'm putting out resonates with you, if it lights you up, if it inspires you, if it just gives you a little glow, the best way to tell me that it's connecting is by saying thanks. And you can say thanks by giving me a little tip, you know, essentially buying my coffee for the week. The way you do that is by visiting vickeryandco.com slash say thanks, whatever amount feels appropriate to you. And when you thank me, I'm going to thank you in the newsletter, on the Brave in Action live show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Central or here on the podcast. It means a lot to know that this is really resonating with you. And before I sign off for the day, I want to remind you that if you are not already registered you are going to want to get registered for our first Friday Manifestation Power Hour. The first Friday of every month at 1.30 p.m. Central, we host this 
unmissable free event that offers a transformative experience for you if you are looking to take control of your destiny and manifest your deepest desires. I lead this as a transformational success coach, but I also get in the trenches with you and we are going to have a great time we do every single month. This free monthly gathering provides a unique opportunity to tap into the immense power of manifestation. I use grounding experiences, guided journaling, there's a beautiful supportive community, and you will discover tools and techniques to unlock your own true potential and create a life of abundance and fulfillment. So whether you're seeking personal growth, inspiration, or connection with other like-minded individuals, the First Friday Manifestation Power Hour is the perfect platform to ignite the fire within and embark on a journey of self-discovery. You've got to register though so that you can get the link and all the reminders. Share the registration link with all of your friends, the more the merrier. You can join us by visiting vicaryandco.com slash manifest together. All right, folks. Until we get a chance to connect again, I'm Heather Vickery reminding you today and every single day to go out and choose bravely. Bye now. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories of people living courageously. Visit us at thebravefilespodcast.com to learn more about the show, find our show notes, and access full episode transcripts. And we'd love to know what you think of the show. We invite you to connect with us via Instagram and send a DM. You'll find us at The Brave Files Podcast on Instagram. Our music was created and produced in a custom collaboration with Matt Lewis from ML Creative Consulting, a boutique firm dedicated to helping clients identify their unique sound and amplify their brand with custom-delivered soundtracks. Special thanks to everyone on Team Brave, from our audio engineer to our producers, associate producers, copy editors, writers, and support team. The show wouldn't exist without them, and we are eternally grateful. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in.